Wow. It's been a while, hasn't it? Yeah? <laughs> it's really good to be here. And um, it's a little, a little bittersweet because I thought we were going to be able to be here and, and get to be with Teresa. But I know she's waiting for us. And so there'll be a, a big party when we get to heaven. And I said, I, I believe that when she entered in, it's my doctrine and I get to have it, is that Gabe, Gabriel, her, little other do- her other little dog, was waiting for her. And I just have that, I just have this in my heart and my mind, the joy of her entering into that. And we're all moving towards that. We're all moving in this direction. And so um, she'll be waiting for us when we get there. Amen. Um, Well, we just had a, uh, he's afraid I'm going to take off. (laughs) And we know I have done that, right? (laughs) Um, We just, we had an 8.1 earthquake um, last week and um, I think our, our home in Arriaga is like 28 miles or something from the epicenter. And so it, there was a lot of shaking going on. I was actually in Tuxla. We were getting ready for a women's conference, and Bill had just dropped me off at a hotel that afternoon, and the other speakers were flying in, and we were getting ready for a big conference. And so he'd gone back to the base, and I was in the hotel room about 1 o'clock in the morning, and all of a sudden I was in the floor, and all of the, the alarms were going off in the hotel, and they were saying, please evacuate the building. And I thought, no, I, you couldn't even walk. I mean, every, the, everything was just shaking. And um, finally, I think it lasted a minute and, what, a minute and a half, almost two minutes. And everything shook loose off the walls. It, um, I thank the Lord, and with our little church in Arriaga, that only one of the women lost, she lost her business, the the building came um, caved in, and um, but other than that, all of us, all of our children were safe, and we were safe. And I thought, well, as I was trying to get out of the hotel, it finally stopped, and I grabbed my robe. And a lot of people didn't do that. There were people out there going commando when we walked out the door. Um, there were some gallant men that were taking off their t-shirts and covering up women, and. Um, anyway, I was smart enough. I grabbed my, my house coat and my telephone and um, got my shoes and got out the door and tried to. But by the time I got I was slow. Everybody else was gone. They, they jumped over the um, balconies into the swimming pool. It was about, I think the hotel's six, eight stories, something like that. And people went over the balconies trying to get out. And there was a lot of people hurt just trying to get out of the buildings. And so we were outside, I was outside about an hour, and maybe an hour and a half before they let us back in at least to try to get our luggage and stuff. And, and I thought, well, the, the, the gas lines broke and they got all that cleaned up and our lease turned off. And the, um, but when I walked out, there was water coming up and I was on the, like it would have been equivalent about the third floor. And the water was coming up through the drain systems and, and it had flooded out my room. And I thought, I'm a missionary, my bed's dry I can get in that bed and so I got in and then all of a sudden the smell hit and I thought "Eh, maybe I'm not that good of a missionary (laughs) and so I went down and I said to the people I said can you is there another room and of course lots of people were leaving and they said well we can put you on the first floor and so um, I headed back and when I did I realized all the support columns had been twisted and that if there was another quake I was going to be a pancake on the first floor and so about four in the morning I finally we I found the other conference speaker, and she was ready to leave. She wasn't from that area. 
And that was her first earthquake, and it was one to remember. And so I grabbed her, and we managed to, to find a taxi, and one of our daughters is going to school there. And I said, sweetheart, you got a room, you got a bed? And she said, yes, Mom, come. And, and um, so we wrote it out, and I thought, they'll cancel the conference. They're probably going to have to cancel it. And, and we called, and they said, no, the churches, we've had it checked, and it's stable, so we're going to go ahead and do this conference. And we started a little late, and, and it was, I did what? It was, it was a shaker. It was a mover and a shaker because the whole time we were preaching those screens, we had over 2,000 aftershocks. And so the screens in the back all of a sudden would be sitting there, and then one of the ladies would be um, preaching and, or sharing. And so the, everything would be shaking on the back. And, but anyway, a lot of ladies got born again. We had the first meeting we had over 500 women, and that didn't fill it up. And then that night... I mean, we, um, I think they said it was between 700 to 1,000 women that came in in the night service the first night, and we had some amazing meetings. We did. We had some really great, the Holy Spirit began to move, and, um, and I, he was shaking. He was shaking everybody up. So that was my experience. Bill will tell you his, because he was at the base, and, um, I, and, and everything started moving there, but all of our kids got out. We had just gone through a like a, a preparedness for disasters. And so the kids had gone through what it, if there's a fire, what to do, if there's you know another hurricane, what to do, and if there's an earthquake. And everybody marched out, and um, all the kids were, what, or they did fine. They did really well. Anyway, the Lord has really blessed us. How many of you have never heard anything of our story? Can you, anybody here? One, two. Okay, we're pretty famous then in this church. No, <laughs> No, and um, Bill and I have been in Chiapas, Mexico now for, um, let's see, we went almost 18 years and went down there with Dale in 1999, and we were going to do two weeks there, and I remember thinking, I can, I can handle two weeks, and, um, and uh, at that time, the Zapatistas, there was a guerrilla war kind of movement, there had been a, a lot of uh, martyrdom, actually, in that, in this area down there, and um, and there's a big story you can get on you can get on YouTube because it was one of. Are you familiar with? Um, well, it would be Fox. I mean, not Fox's, but the other martyr, the uh, Voice of the Martyrs, and then Open Door with Brother Andrew. Um, it was a hot spot because it was a um, just as the the indigenous people were coming to Christ, they were being persecuted, and many lost their lives down there. And so, when we were invited down there, I'm thinking two weeks. I can do this two weeks. We're going to go down there and teach, and it was hot, and we were on a fi- we were in a fishing village, and we were um, uh, teaching every day for two weeks. Never into my heart or our minds that we would be living there, and then through just a very uh, very quickly short series of events, um, the Lord gave began to call us, and Dale was on that. He said, "Yes, I believe it. I'm I'm confirming it," and um, and we ended up going back down there in 2000. And um, starting the, uh, a Bible school, and out of the Bible school, a church was born. And then out of the about four, three, four years into it, the Lord began to send us orphan and abandoned children. And we begin the orphan work. And, um, and now Bill and I, um, we have 32 children that, um, that are ours. And uh, several of them now we've had for a long time. We've had 10, 15 years. And so... We're, we're in a new phase where many of our kids are now. We've got two that are married, and we're about to be grandma and grandpa to one. And, 
And then we've got several that have gone on to college so that are in university. One of our older girls, she's getting her master's in law, and, and she's turning around and she's helping us in the work. We've got um, several that have studied to be teachers, and we have a school from, um, from kinder to high school. And so some of our kids are, are turning back in, and they're teaching, and they're in our schools with us. And, Lord, it's, just, it's been an amazing ride. And I really don't want to take up a lot of time, uh, Bill's time, which... <laughs> But um, and I'm going to be sharing tonight, so um, there'll be things that I can <laughs> that I'll share with you tonight. Um, we have we have a reputation here for tag team, right? In our but the Lord is. But I guess before I leave, I just want to tell you a, a quick testimony of something that just happened. The, the reality of the Lord. And Bill's going, yeah, here we go. Um, Bill and I were invited to um, really quick. We. Uh, um, it was a year and a half or almost a year and a half, almost two years ago. I remember I, we were, we were um, somebody said something about Alaska, and I said, Lord, one day, one day, would it be possible, if, if maybe if Bill and I start saving our pennies, that we could go to Alaska. Lord, I'd love to see Alaska one day. And I talked to Bill, and I said, you think if we just started saving just a little bit of money that maybe by our 40th, that would be five years in our 40th anniversary, we might could go to Alaska. I would love to see Alaska. And um, Bill said, well, we could start putting something aside, and maybe in five years we could go to Alaska. Two weeks later, we had a telephone call from some friends, and they said, hey, you know what? We're going to Alaska, and we want to pay for you to go with us on, to Alaska. And, um, and I said, yes, yes. And so, and not only that, if Bill and I had done this, we would have been in the in the the middle of the boat without any windows and we'd have been you know doing it missionary style and and um but these people when they paid for us they get they paid for us to have a balcony and we were on one of these really nice a smaller ship um all-inclusive ship and we had a beautiful room and so they called and they said please um, we're going to pay for your flight we're going to pay for the whole thing and Bill and I, if we'd have done it, we wouldn't have been able to get off the boat, you know, to buy for an excursion or anything like that. And they not only did that, but they paid for those, like, a helicopter to fly us up on top of the glaciers and so we could walk up. So when the Lord does things, he does it well. And so when we were coming back, we were in Vancouver, and um, that morning we had prayed. And I said, Lord, if there's someone that really needs to hear from you today, just help me have my antennas alert that I would be alert to what you want to do with me today. And, and when we went down to get onto the shuttle, we were saying goodbye to our friends. And, and um, we got on the shuttle, and I noticed a woman was getting up on the shuttle, and she was bent over. And, um, and like she was in a lot of pain. And so she got in the back, and I heard her speaking. Um, and there's a lot of um, international people there. From, and I thought, oh, she's speaking Italian in the back there. And, and so when we got off of the shuttle, I saw her also trying to get off with her um, son. And so I said to her, are you all right? And she said, I just had a bicycle accident. And I went over the handlebars, and I'm in a lot of pain. And I said, well, can I pray for you? And she said, yes, but I think she thought I was going to go home or something and pray privately. And I, and um. She said, yes, and I said, okay, I'm going to pray for you right now. And so Bill's getting the luggage down, and I, and I just laid hands on her, and I began to pray that the Lord would give grace through her trip and that she would fill his presence and, and just pray for her healing. And then Bill got the bags, and we went on inside the airport. It's a big airport. 
and um, lots of people coming in and out, and we were there a couple of hours early. We went to check our our seats and realized that we were kind of uh, separated or something, and Bill said, well, we didn't pay for any of this trip. Let's just pay the $35 and move our seats around so that we're in two aisle seats across from each other. And when you get older, you want those seats because you might need to go to the bathroom. (laughs) And you don't want to ask a lot of people to move. And so we got our aisle seats, and we're looking at each other. And, and so I'm sitting there, and this is several hours later, and we've, you know, walked the airport and eaten, and there's lots of people going in and out. And when I look up, I see this woman walking down the aisle of, this air, of the airplane. And I'm really, it's a huge airport, and people are flying everywhere. And I look up, and I'm having one of these, this can't be real moments. And she's looking at me, and I'm looking at her, And then all of a sudden I realized she's looking at her ticket and she's looking at the two empty seats beside me. And what had happened when Bill and I changed our seats, these two, this this woman and her son, about 25, um, they were seated right next to me. And so they slid in and I said, okay, Lord, I know you're doing something. I don't want to blow it. Just help me to know how to yeah, and so I said to him, there are no co- coincidences, I pray. Because she told me she was feeling better, and and, um, and so she slid in, and they both kind of have this shock look on their face. And I said, you know, there are no, there are no co- coincidences. I said, because we changed our seats. And he said, but you don't understand, we changed our seats. <laughs> he said, our seats were separated. And so from Vancouver all the way to Mexico City. They weren't speaking Italian. They were speaking Spanish, but because they're from the, the city there, they have a completely different accent. And, and, um, and they, so I had them for the next how many hours? It's four, four, about four hours, four and a half hours going to Mexico City. I had them hemmed in. They couldn't even go to the bathroom without my permission. And this whole time I, I'm saying, okay, Lord, show me what to do. And I start sharing with him, talking to him about what we're doing. And, uh, and she got really touched and she started crying. And so she's just weeping and weeping. And I had them for the next, all these hours, just sharing with them about the Lord. I got to pray with both of them. And so sometimes we just need our antennas up. We really need our antennas up. And I'm going to um, be preaching tonight or sharing tonight, whatever I do. I'll be here tonight. Did I do good? I didn't do very long. I didn't do very long. Oh, we do have a little video. The video is old. We had good intentions, and but we're old too, Bill says. And so, and it's in Spanish, but there's English subtitles. But at least you kind of get to see what we have and a little bit of what's going on. The Lord just gave us another how many acres um, is the new piece of land? The new land is how many? 80? 80. The Lord added to our ranch this year or this last year. And we, he added another 80-something acres to the, to the ranch. Um, a lot of cool things happening. If you want to know more, that's the teaser for tonight. <laughs> the, the video, please. Gracias, gracias, gracias. Qué bueno que encontré este <coughs> mi memoria. Oh, I'm so sorry, guys. That's I didn't do that on purpose. I was talking to somebody in Canada the other day, and they said, "You speak English with a Mexican accent." Well, I think after 18 years, something's going to happen. Well, I just um, I'm so blessed to be here. I'm I'm blessed. 
Uh, I was sitting there, and all of a sudden, I got this weepy feeling. Do you ever have that happen? I don't usually, because I'm not that kind of guy. I suck it up, buttercup. But all of a sudden, I had this sense of what a, a blessing and a privilege it is to be a part of this body. And not just this body, his body. And uh, the things that I've been able to see that we've been able to see because we are a part of that organism is so dynamic. Can you hear me okay? And I was just sitting there thinking, I was watching that, and I think, you know, we are not identified or by, by what we build. You know, buildings and structures and mechanisms are for the purpose of the people, are for the end goal or, or the, uh, the, of reaching people and imparting to people what we have and who we have. So, you know, I could, we could build all these structures and, and all of this and be just so happy, but the truth is I'm not taking any of that with me. I'm just taking them with me, and that's what I want. Now, I'm going to say something not so serious. First of all, um, we were yesterday at, at CJ and Lisa's house, and I was talking about the life of a missionary. It is a hoot, man. I mean, if we just started telling this, the funny stories of the stuff that happens on the mission field, we could go for hours, and you guys would have stomach cramps from just laughing. So I'm going to just give you one story, okay, just so we can just kind of lighten up a little bit. When we were in Romania, I was telling CJ this, and it made me think about it. I, I was in charge of worship. Now, I didn't speak Romanian at all at that time. So you can imagine what my worship sounded like. Actually, that's how I started leading worship in Mexico, and I found out after quite a few months, instead of, instead of singing the word, the virtues of Jesus, I was saying the vegetables of Jesus. And the vegetables of Jesus. <laughs> Because, you know, it says virtudes and not verduras. And I would say verduras. And the people would sing with me. I'm sure they were going, what? <laughs> yes, Jesus, bless our veggies. <laughs> but I remember one time we had this small church in, in Dornest. And I was in charge of leading worship. Because back then we had like four songs. And one was, Lord, I lift your name on high. And I remember that in Romanian, so... But one Sunday morning, it was Communion Sunday. I, I love Jesus, but I don't like Communion Sundays. I'll tell you why. I, I, since I was 12 years old, I have a trimmer in my hands. And who invented those stinking little cups? You know how hard that is to have one, grab one of those little cups when you have a shaky hand? Yes, Lord. So I'd get my wife to hand me that cup, you know. I baptized her before with it. Okay. Thank you, Jesus. Stains on the shirt. Anyway, I remember this Sunday in Romania, we wouldn't use the little cups. We would use one really big cup. Well, in Romania, they weren't in the habit of, like, brushing their teeth very often. You know, some people didn't take a bath for a week or so. So I'd be singing, and I'd be watching. 
they would go up and give the person the cup and wipe off the lid and go to the next cup. And I'd watch that thing go down and down and I'd watch who was drinking it. And then finally, guess who got to take the last sip? Talk about an act of faith. It really didn't even have the color of juice at the end. Oh, Jesus, I believe in you. Turn it into wine. <laughs> Do something. Oh, man. Wow. That was just one spiritual experience that I had in Romania. <laughs> but I just wanted to share, you You know, because sometimes we're just so serious about this walk. And it is, there's some serious moments. But I have to tell you, this is one of the greatest uh, adventures that you could ever have is walking with Jesus. And some of it is just taking off the limits and and knowing that God can do anything. I mean, He's so cool and He's so big and, and He's so limitless. He can work outside of your boundaries if you'll just give Him a chance. So anyway, I just wanted to share that with you. And I want to just touch on something the Lord's been sharing with me. And, and, I, and I hope that I can impart it in a way that makes sense. And you'll walk away with at least something that, that will help you. Okay? First, I want to say this one phrase. God is love, and love never fails. Can you say that with me? God is love, and love never fails. He will never fail you. He is love. It's not what He does, it's who He is. And that never fails. One time the Lord said to me, Son, the atmosphere is saturated with my word. If He has spoken it, it still echoes in the atmosphere for you to take for you to own, for you to agree with, for you to walk in. It's there. It's not that you have to have faith. You know, sometimes we think faith, faith is mental noise. You know, oh, I just got to have more faith. Ooh. Did you know what that looks like? What does more faith look like? As if there's some kind of faith meter, you know, and we can mentally see it, the needle is going, oh, yeah, a little bit more. Oh, yes, Jesus, I believe. I believe. <sighs> oh, no. No? Sometimes we think of faith as a thing and we're not really sure how it's, what, what is it? You know? Well, our passion is to be fire starters. And I say that because when we first went to um, Chiapas, we were here and we were praying and the Lord gave me a vision. And people say, what's a vision look like? <sighs> Something I saw in my mind that I didn't see with my eyes, but I could see it so clear that I can still see it today. That's how clear it was. And I saw a magnifying glass. And I saw the magnifying glass over a bunch of dry leaves. But it was so low that it was just covering, I mean, there was light covering everything. And then the next scene, I see the same magnifying glass higher up, pinpointed on just one spot, narrow. And all of a sudden it ignited. And the fire, the leaves begin to burn. And the Lord said to me, Son, I'm sending you to Chiapas. Focus on what I'm sending you to do. You're going to be tempted to cover a lot of things, do a lot of things, be busy, 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 but you will never have fire You'll just, get, you'll burn out. But if you'll focus where I'm sending you, 
the people will catch fire and they will burn. And that stayed in my mind. You know why I hold this here? Because my hands shake. <laughs> it's not because I just love to hug a microphone. So we were tempted when we first went down there to get busy. You know, we'd get invitation, we'd go here. We'd get invitation, we'd go. We just felt so spiritual because we were getting invited all over the place. Then one day, we were tired. We were burning ourselves out, and the Lord reminded me of the vision. Remember? He didn't condemn me. He didn't say, what's wrong with you? He was just saying, son, I told you. This is the temptation. But if you want to see results, focus on what I've given you because giving, he gave us the, 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 the desire to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. He, he sent us with a passion to teach people about the word of God so that they would ignite and become fire starters. And they would ignite others and they would ignite others. And so we pulled back in. And what happened? The church was born. We had a Bible school, but there was, there was nothing, really. I mean, we, didn't, we had the Bible school and... But from that, all of a sudden, they started asking for more time and more meetings and more training. And I remember one day Dale was down there, and I was complaining. I was up on the roof. You know, that's a spiritual gift, complaining. I don't see it in the Word, but I, sometimes I just walk in it. <laughs> and I was up on the roof, and I said, Dale, I'm not a pastor. I don't want to be, I don't, it's not my calling. He said, he passed me on the back. He said, brother, you're pastoring. I said, that, de that definitely wasn't what I wanted to hear. And so we've been pastoring now. How long has it been? Well, almost the whole time, three years, we went with the Bible school. And then after that, so the church has been around a while and we, we run about 300. And the earthquake has forced us out of the building now. And we're building a new building. It's not through but it's forced us to run another facility because it shook some stuff loose that made the building dangerous. But we've watched some of those students catch fire. As a matter of fact, the lady that's preaching this Sunday in our church is a, is a testimony herself. Her name is Lucha. And you know, it's in Spanish, you ever heard of um, Lucha Libre? Remember the movie? Nacho Libre. Okay, he was a luchador. Sorry. He was a luchador. That means that we, he was a wrestler. Well, her name is Lucha, and I always call her my Lucha Libre. She's, but her testimony is phenomenal. That lady is so firm in her faith. She's seen stuff happen. One time, she had to have some kind of stomach surgery. And so she was praying, and she was fasting for the surgery. And on the bus ride up there, she fell asleep. And she said she started dreaming, and the Lord came to her and gave her this big buffet of food and in her dream she's just chowing down all of a sudden she wakes herself burping her husband looks at her and she said she was full she she wasn't hungry she went into surgery and they asked her do you want to be knocked out or you just want local i mean if you're going to open somebody's guts up you she said oh no just local so they're opening her up and she's singing worship Oh, she's singing on the table. Hallelujah. And on the, she said, I could see my stomach just jumping around up there. Oh. But, I mean, she was able to witness to the doctors while she's on the operating table. The Lord 
There was nothing wrong with her when they went there. They put her back together. She was he- It was amazing. But she's got story after story because she got set on fire. All we did was ignite. And she got set on fire. And she's still setting others on fire. And every week she's given us testimony. She, I, I put a picture on, on the internet of her little grandbaby who fell in the shower and the tile opened up his chin. And it was a pretty gaping hole. And so they were rushing. I don't know why the son did this. He's kind of an atheist. I don't know why. But he runs to mom who was working in a restaurant and says, Mom, Mom, what do we do? And she said, well, let's just pray for him. And she just takes the little boy into her arms and she starts praying. And they have a photograph where the Lord just sealed that thing right up. Completely sealed it up. I put it on the Internet and it was so funny. Somebody that's a friend of a friend wrote and he says, yeah, you know, this is a scam. This is just clickbait, you know, and I wrote him back and I said, no, this is this is real. I saw it. You know what? So we don't always have to be skeptics, you know. <laughs> All right. I want to read the scripture. Hebrews 12, 2. <clears throat> Are you with me? OK. Hebrews 12, 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For the joy set before him. What was the joy set before him? I mean, it wasn't dying. It wasn't suffering. It was you. It was the church. The church, his bride. For the joy set before him, it was okay. I can suffer. There's this really pretty song that Tammy maybe will get to play tonight. And it says, there is no fear in love, but there is a cross. Wow. Wow, is that powerful? For the joy set before him, he endured because he saw you. No matter what the devil tells you about you, no matter what you've believed about yourself, You were the joy set before him. Even before you knew him, you were the joy set before him. He was the magnifying glass that came down to magnify a loving father for a dying world to set them ablaze. That was his job, to set his church on fire to do the same thing, to magnify a loving uh, father to a dying world. And what's happened? Have you ever watched the movie called The Giver? Okay, it's a secular movie. The premise is that this this whole city, um, they have to take a a medication, an injection every day, not knowing that this medication deadens their emotions and doesn't allow them to see in color. So everything is black and white. They're emotionless. They're, They're not even allowed to exhibit emotion because it becomes a crime. Something's wrong with them if they show any sense of compassion for someone else. Well, this young man, eventually he starts having these dreams, but he he sees color and he doesn't know what to do with it. And so he goes and sees this old man who sees in color, and he begins to train him. And the boy gets off of his medication. And as he begins to get off of his medication... 
People start watching him because he's walking around and he's looking at the clouds. And he's looking at the trees. And he's smelling things he never smelled before. And it becomes dangerous for him because he's different. He's seeing what they can't see. He's smelling what they can't smell. He's feeling what they can't feel, and he becomes an anomaly. I want to tell you, I think a lot of Christianity needs to quit medicating themselves and begin to see what they cannot see and hear what they cannot hear and sense what he wants them to sense, and we will become fire starters. We will do that. He has brought us to this place because he loves us. And that love, let me tell you, I'm, I'm, still, I'm jumping, even this doesn't work. I'm jumping ahead of myself, man. I told him I have this program and it only gives me one note at a time so I don't jump ahead. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna, before I jump ahead. He loves his church. She is the only thing that is holding back darkness. If you think it's bad now, if you think it's ugly and gross what you see on television, what they're trying to make you believe is right, if you believe that's bad, think about it without the church. Because it is the church of Jesus Christ that is holding darkness back. It is, it's scriptural. Even the smallest flashlight in the darkest room can light it up. I don't know about you. Sometimes I have a a light on my, I have an Iron Man watch. Those are cool watches, very industrial strength. But there's this little light in the daytime, you can't even see it. Nighttime, you need to find your way to the restroom. It's a completely dark room. You push that button and the room lights up and your wife goes, hey, turn off that light. Why? Because light always wins. The church is what is holding back darkness. His bride, the joy that was set before him, is what holds darkness back. That is you. Not the passive you. Not the woe is me you. But the you, the real you, the you that he sees, the you that he loves, the you that he died for. That's what holds back darkness. That's why when somebody starts walking in sin amongst you, they don't want to see you. Why? Because light bothers them. When I start walking in darkness, light bothers. It, it, it bothers me. It might, it's not even you. It's him that lives in you that bothers them. And think about that on, on a global level. That's what happens. The church pushes back darkness. The world hates it. They can't stand it. Back to the movie The Giver. The world has a perception of a God, and some people in church have this perception of God that's not real. They believe they have a false image of who He is, and it's a lie. And the enemy is happy with having that distorted image of God in the church. Because as long as they're twisted in the way they think about him, they'll never move in the way he wants them to. They'll never accept the giftings that he's put in them. They'll never believe they can because they've always believed they can't. 
He wants to start a fire in you. And it's not about manifestations. We all love to be touched by God. We all love to be blasted. Is that right? We all love that. But that comes to transform us. That comes to make us different. It doesn't just come to make us feel woohoo. Because if you get up and you're not different, why did you go down? You know, I, we pray for people. They fall down. And that's all right. Nobody's against that. But I want to see them get up transformed. Even in the smallest way. You want to see that transformation because that's what he's about. Manifestations that bring transformation is what he wants. We're not, it, Bill Johnson said, A biblically illiterate church that is hungry for signs and wonders and manifestations is vulnerable for false wonders, signs, and manifestations because they have no anchor. So back to this image of God that the world has. It's true. I grew up in a church where they taught me that God loved me, but he really didn't like me. He actually liked me better when I was a sinner. You know, they always said, you know, if you're an alcoholic or you're a drug addict, God loves you. Come to his feet, you know, and he, he'll set you free. And that's true. But the minute you get off your knees, you've got about three seconds of freedom because watch out. Now that you're a believer, you better toe the line, buddy. Toe the line, because you know what? He's gonna, you know, in Spanish they say when you give someone a smack, he's going to give you un sape. Upside your head. And I really thought that. I was saved thousands of times growing up. I think there was a mini trampoline in my soul. Jesus in, Jesus out. Jesus in, Jesus out. I was miserable, insecure, in everything, because I was insecure in him, because I didn't know him. I had been taking the medication. I had been believing what every else, everyone else believed, and it ain't true. We are the church. We are the thing that holds back darkness from flooding in and destroying everything. We are. And it really is every one of us. There is not one of you in this room that is insignificant in the body of Christ. There is not one of you that is better or less in the eyes of the Lord. You are his children. He never called you to become a Christian. He called you to become a son. That's totally different. I can be a Christian. I can act like a Christian. I can say the Christian things. And I can be as lost as anyone. But I can be a good Christian. But you can't do that if you're a son. Because you have a new nature. You are part of the church. You are part of that, that blazing body that he, he saw before him when he was dying on the cross. John 10.9 says, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. And he shall go in and out and find pasture. What's a door? Is it decorative? He says, I am the door. I am the entry point. I am the access point. I am the beginning of something so much bigger. So much bigger. So much more supernatural. So much more powerful. I am the door. Come through me. But don't just stay in the door. I mean, we're never going to leave 
We're not going to walk away from him. But the door gives us the image. I was born eternal. You were born eternal. From the moment of conception, you were an eternal being. Whether you're with Christ in eternity or separated, you are eternal. And when he called you into salvation, he called you to pass through the door, which was the beginning of an eternity experience right now. We have tasted of the good things of the Lord through healing, through deliverance, through manifestations. We've tasted. We want more. We'll keep walking. You went through the door. He sent the Holy Spirit to walk you through every room in that place, which is his, his kingdom. So let's go through the door. Let's start, let's start investigating what he bought for us. Let's start investigating what this thing is that, that is the body of Christ. Let's start experimenting and experiencing what Jesus purchased for us. Don't become, how do you say, I know it in Spanish. Conformista, what is that? Huh? Don't conform to just a Sunday morning service. You know the, hap, the, the enemy's happy if this is all you do for God. He's really happy if all you do is come and warm these seats. And go, wow, that was a great message. Let's go get Kentucky Fried. <laughs> no? He's happy if this is all you get because you're not going in and experiencing what he got. Because he purchased so much. Eyes have not seen or ear heard what the Lord has prepared for those who love him. There's so much more. And you start, and the, I can hear it in your mind as if I was eavesdropping. Yeah, but you don't know me. You don't know what I've done. I'm not as good as you. I'm not as articulate as you. I'm not as an old baloney. That's just nonsense. I'm not as anointed as you. Excuse me? It's not like there's a little Jesus that came to live in you and a really big one that lives in me. There are no midget Jesuses. He is who he is and he lives in you. Full-grown, all-powerful Son of God living in your spirit, waiting to transform your, your soul into his, his image. Get out of the way. Quit saying you can't. You know the flesh loves to tell us what we can't do. Oh, you can't do that. We are not spiritual people with, or carnal people with spiritual batteries. And that's what a lot of people think, you know. Oh, I just feel so weak in the spirit today. I just need to go get connected at church. I got to go recharge my batteries. Brother, we do not have batteries. We are spirit. We are spirit. And he lives in us. And he's always charged. Quit saying I can't when he can. He can. (laughs) Hallelujah. Salvation is a starting point to everything. It's a good starting point. Woo! But there's more. Hebrews 11.3 says, By faith we understand that the worlds were formed by the word of God, so that the things which, we are, which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Can you, can you say that? What I can see is not what's real. It's what you can't see that's real. 
because this was created from that. Therefore, what is more important? What is more powerful? What is more real? That. But if in like the movie Giver, all you believed is this, you'll never experience that. We need to start seeing in color. We need to start smelling and experiencing God on a whole different level. I'm doing this because I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you. I'm no different than you are. Tammy's no different than you are. We're just people living in another country obeying the God that loves us because that's his joy. The joy of the Lord is my strength. When I do his will, I experience his joy and it gives me strength to do it. That's joy. Even if it's hard, way down deep I'm okay because sometimes on the the surface I'm not. I mean, who wants to run around bald all the time, right? Well, I guess it's a lot easier to manage, right? (laughs) Amen. (laughs) All right. Are we okay? Ephesians 4, 11, and 12. (coughs) And it says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Now listen to this part, okay? Some of you know it by heart. For the equipping of the saints, you are the saints. For the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, his church. What is the purpose of a pastor? What is the purpose of an apostle, teacher, the five-fold minute? What is their purpose? To equip you. That's your job. Their job is not to entertain you on Sunday. Their job is not to set up pretty cool church schedules and events. Their job is to to equip you, to encourage you that you are so much more. To equip you for the work of the ministry. Every one of you has been called into ministry. Every one of you. And our job is to encourage you, move you along, and train you, make you confident that you can, you can, you can. Because he lives in you. You are the joy that was set before him. He's come to make you a fire starter so that you can set others on fire. Ow! Christ exhibited equipping the saints for three years with 12 motley guys. I mean, it had to be a very interesting conversation every night at the dinner table with those guys. I live near fishermen in Arriaga, and they are definitely a unique breed. They go out in their underwear at night to fish. Who's looking at them? You know, they're out there in the night, and their conversations are rough. You know? I, I mean, I've had guys who get born again that were fishermen. When they're giving their testimony, they can't help but use profanity. And the Lord touched me in such a blankety-blank way. <laughs> and the old lady in the church goes, Ooh-hoo! There goes Jesus. She lost her salvation. Three years he taught, taught these 12 guys how. Show and tell. Acts 1.1 says of all the things that he began to do and teach. In that order. Do and teach. He would heal and he would teach him. 
He would curse a fig tree, and then he would teach him. He was always actively doing and teaching. What happens? We have it reversed, and sometimes only half of the equation. We teach, and teach again, and maybe teach again, and then we go eat our figs. There's no doing in most cases. But Jesus said, you know, well, he didn't say, he, he showed it practically for three years. That's all we have. I mean, these guys, their Bible school lasted three years. And even at the end, we could read here in Luke 22, 31 through 32, it says, Jesus predicts Peter's denial. That's the title because that's how I copied it. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. Okay. Peter's been with him three years. He's watched him. He's walked on the water. Peter has been involved in some major miracles. Jesus says to him, Son, Satan has requested to sift you like wheat. And the prayer wasn't, and I prayed that he'd just back off. No. I told the Father, don't let him do it. No. He says, and when you come back, when you come to your senses, in other words, it's going to happen because your faith is that important. He's going to shake you. He's going to try you, your faith in every way. Satan doesn't want your house. He doesn't want your girlfriend or your boyfriend. He doesn't want your money. He doesn't want your possessions, but he will use every one of those things to destroy your faith. Now we're, uh, we're getting to the real meat of the stuff here. Okay. Where your treasure is, right? So if your faith rests on things, you're vulnerable. If your faith is on your ability, if your faith is on your confession, if your faith is in your wife or your money, you are vulnerable. Because the enemy will come to sift you like wheat. He will. It's, if he did it to Peter, he will do it to you. That's how precious your faith is. But if your faith rests in God, you're invincible. If your faith rests in God, you're invincible. Now listen to this. Because... God is love, and love never fails. If your faith rests in a loving God, not just God, because some of you have a concept of God that is not real. So it's hard to have faith in Him, so therefore your faith is not real faith. Do you see what I'm saying? If the image of God is not the biblical God, and you're trusting and you're having faith in that image, it is not faith. And you will be destroyed. You will be disappointed. You will be saddened if you don't have your faith in a God who is love and his love never fails you. 
You are the joy. And that joy hasn't changed. He loves you. Wow. The God of the universe loves you. You are so unique. And this isn't to make us feel like we're so wonderful in ourselves. No. We were created in his image. He loves you because of who you are. You are a God container. God, dogs are not God containers. Sometimes I think they're demon containers. You know, we are the only creation that was made in his likeness and his image. And who is he? He is love. Woohoo. Okay. Acts 1. Oh, no. See, I did jump ahead of myself. Hallelujah. The gifts of the Spirit were not given to us to just be contained in this room. That would be considered a controlled burn, right? If we got set on fire and all we do is burn inside this room, we're just, that's just a controlled burn. We're just controlling things. No, he wants us to get on fire and just let it go. Let it go. The other day we, had, we have teams come down. And uh, there's a team that comes down from Virginia. I've never been to their church. It's a church that doesn't teach or believe in the gifts of the, the Spirit. But they believe in serving and giving and missions. So they always send a team down. And always something happens in our church. Somebody gets delivered of a demon. Somebody gets healed. And I'm always, are you guys okay? Oh, yeah, it's great to see God do this stuff on the mission field. You know, because God doesn't work in the U.S. in that way. Because we got the Bible. But that's their mentality. Yeah, God, God does miracles in Africa because they need miracles. We're cool. And so they could accept it. Oh, yeah. That, so this time they came. When we, when we inherited the clinic about four years ago, the Lord gave me a dream. I didn't know anything about this place. And in the dream, I saw the name. Um, in Spanish, it's Rizo de Oro. That means golden curl. I didn't know what that was. I didn't know if it was a, a store or just a phrase or a saying. So I went on our most holy Google. And I went searching and I, I didn't know where it was. And it was 20 minutes from where we live. It's a town called Rizo de Oro. Gave me cold chills. I said, oh, God's up to something. But I didn't know what he was up to. I could have jumped out and run to try to do something, but I just waited, and that was four years. Well, this summer, a team came from Virginia, and I felt like the Lord said, now, I want to open up Rizo de Oro. And so I said, like, CJ's always talking about treasure hunts, right? And so I, I set them all down. I had to explain it because, you know, they, they, they just don't know this stuff. So I said, okay, we're going to do something exciting. We're going to do something fun. And they were like, okay. I said, we're going to pray. For them, that's not exciting. You know, like, Father, yes. So anyway, I said, no, no, we're going, to be, we're going to pray actively. We're going to pray and we're going to listen. And we're going to try to see. And I said, and I kind of explained word of not, words of knowledge, how that works for me, how I see things when the Lord gives me words of knowledge. And so we begin to pray. And then afterwards, I say, well, we're not going to pray a long time because I think you can get into the flesh and start, like, making stuff happen. And so we just prayed a short time and then I started asking them. Well, the Lord had given me a man's name, Samuel, and that he had a burn. I didn't know what kind of burn. So I wrote that down. 
The guy next to me says, well, I'm not. They always made excuses. Well, I'm not sure. I saw a man with a brown horse. That's cool. A man with a brown horse. Another lady, she was more uh, fluffy. She says, I saw a donut with children's hands coming out. Cool. We'll write that donut with hands. That's like a mutant. (laughs) Then a guy says, I saw this big tree and all these noisy birds. Well, that was because there's a big tree right next to us with all these noisy birds. No, I wrote, okay, big tree, noisy birds. We got this whole list. And so we prayed, and then we went out to the village. When we got to the village, we broke up into three groups. We reviewed the list. We prayed again, and we took off. One group went this way, and another went this way. In my group, we, we headed down the hill. Well, right now, we're all aware and are looking for what's on our list. Things that you wouldn't do if you didn't have a list. So we're, and the first thing we come, here comes a man with a brown horse walking right down the road. And they're going, hey, there's our brown horse. I said, cool, let's go talk to him. So we did. He sat down on the sidewalk. We got to minister to him. He invited us into his house. He played hymns on his accordion, found out his grandmother had just died. It was great. We got to pray for him. And then as we're leaving, we said, by the way, do you know a guy named Samuel? Yeah, right down this hill, there's a guy named Samuel who's been sick a lot because we've been saying, we're here just to show you the love of God. We want to tell you that God loves you. And if you have people that are sick, we want to pray for them. You know, I told him, we're not going to go in and try to preach sermons. We just want to show them how much God loves him. Okay. So he sends us and we start walking down the hill and we get to this tree that was full of all these noisy birds. And this little girl comes out selling donuts. That's cool. And it was even better for them because all of a sudden they were involved in God doing stuff. And I asked the little girl, do you, we bought some donuts, okay? We had to help the business, the economy there. And I said, do you know of a man named Samuel? She goes, yeah, that's my grandpa. Well, can you take us to him? Sure. We got down there. And by then another group had got there and they were praying for him. He was just bawling like a baby. He couldn't believe that God loved him so much that he would send foreigners to minister to him. One of the men had had, uh, when we were writing the list, had a pain in his side. And his daughter had just had surgery right in that same spot. And so we prayed for her. The Lord just opened it. They're actually calling us and said, when are you coming back? Pray for a little boy. Two years old, has cancer. Went back. He's, he, 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 he's not gone. He's still there. And so we just continue to pray for him, believing the Lord's going to heal this little baby of cancer. It was exciting. All of a sudden, they realized that they could do something even in the U.S. One, they started writing us back. They said, it changed my life. I never knew God could speak to me. And it's changed the way I teach. It's changed the way I disciple. Why? What's changed? Their eyes opened up. They're not seeing in black and white anymore. Yeah, and they're not on their meds. Because sometimes we like Christians are like catfish. We're bottom feeders. All we do is eat what the world gives us. And that's what we believe. And Jesus said, no, come up, come up. I have something so much better. Get off the meds. Quit eating pre-chewed food. You know, books are good. But the author wants to teach you directly. Grab that Bible and say, Holy Spirit, please give me the stuff. 
Open the eyes of my understanding. I want to know you. I want to walk with you. I want to be that joy for you. Amen. If you're not getting this, I am. Woo-hoo. Galatians 5, 6. For in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision. Now listen to this. But faith, which works by Love. Faith, which works by love. Okay, now we understand that this motorcycle has a motor. And that motor is love. Our faith will not move without that motor. And if we think it's faith without that motor, it ain't faith. We ain't going anywhere. And we are going to be frustrated. Faith, which works by love. In other words, without that mechanism, without love, I mean, how often have you heard that God loves you? You've heard that, right? To the point that you've been anesthetized by the truth. Like Chinese water torture. When I lived in Arriaga the first year, the noise was, it just killed me. We would go do a Bible study, and, they, you know, they have these Volkswagens running around with speakers announcing things through the streets all the time. Tamales for sale and blah, 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 blah. And then the semi-trailers go through towns, and they, you know what a Jake break is? I, I, I said, how do you guys stand this? And they said, what? They couldn't hear it. I thought, that's imp- I will never not hear that. That's just so, I don't hear it anymore. But see, that's what happens when you've heard God loves you. God loves you. You know, God loves you. To the point where you go, ah, yeah, whatever. You don't get it. You've been anesthetized. You've been drugged. You don't really have an understanding and a revelation of how much he loves you. Because if you got how much he loved you, you get out of the boat. Peter did not walk on water. He walked on, that guy loves me and he will never hurt me. He told me to get out and I'm going. Because he loves me. You know, we've heard all kinds of sermons about Peter getting out of the boat. But I'm convinced with being with Jesus, his faith worked by love. He got out because he knew Jesus loves me. I've seen it for three years. I've seen this guy. He loves even the ugliest leper. He loves. And he's never going to call me out of the boat just to watch me bob. You know, when I was in the church I grew up with, in, <clears throat> you remember when, when Peter gets to Jesus and, and Peter starts going down and he says, you, you know, essentially you were do, doing so good, what happened? In the church I would have grown up in, what would Jesus have done? Well, I had so much hopes for that guy. Next. No? Yeah? No, my Jesus back then would have said, Well, you're on your own, buddy. If you don't if you just don't have the faith, you know? I know you were a fisherman. I thought those fishermen knew how to swim. You better get going. No, hermano, hermanos. No, brothers. Peter knew what to do. He looked up and he said, Save me. 
He knew where the source of his rescue. He knew what was going to get him out. He said, save me. And we don't have any record of Jesus said, buddy, you're on your own. Noah, he reached down there. And we don't know, did he carry him back? Or did he just start walking? What? We just know that he got back to the boat because he loves us. He got out of the boat because faith works by love. Matthew 24, 12 says, And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Let me say that again. And because iniquity or sin shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. We live in a generation and a time where iniquity is abounding uh, exponentially. I'm just so surprised by the whole um, gender equality thing. It just blows my mind. It blows my mind how the world is just buying into the lie. But when iniquity abounds, the love of many will wax cold. And what happens? Since faith works by love. When, the, when love begins to wax cold, faith dies. When you forget how much He loves you, when you forget what He's done for you, when you forget that you are the joy that was set before Him, when that love begins to get cold in you, your faith begins to die because they are intrinsically connected. You cannot have faith without love. You cannot. It's artificial. Whatever it is you're doing that you think is faith, if it is not grounded and rooted in His love, it's not faith. Maybe it's mental noise. Maybe it's great desire. Maybe it's a lot of hope. But if it's not based and couched and, and, and covered in that he loves me and his love never fails, it ain't faith. And you will be disappointed. And some people walk away from the church because they think they had faith when in reality it wasn't faith at all. God is not a liar. He's not like a son of man that would change his mind. If he said it, it is true. If he says, I will not fail you, I will never leave you or forsake you. If he said it, it is in the atmosphere. Grab it and believe it because he loves you. It's yours. And you don't have to convince him to do stuff he doesn't want to do. He's ready to do it. But you have to know, you have to have a revelation it has to be real to you. Even an understanding of love, you can't fake that. You need him to come down and baptize you in love. I believe that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a baptism of love. You speak in tongues because you just don't know how to say I love you in any other language. Because that's, there are no words in English or Spanish or any, that you can express that kind of love. So you just got to kick into that heavenly language because that's how you'll express it. That's how. He loves us. We've got to quit taking the meds. Take responsibility for your walk, brothers. Don't, don't wait on somebody else to make it work for you. You have the words of life. Believe them. Yeah, I'm feeling it. So based on that assumption, and it's not really an assumption, that faith works by love, we can truly say that biblical faith cannot exist outside of love. It cannot. 
It's not faith. So whenever I look at, at, at the stories of, of like Peter walking on the water and, and we see those faith emphasis, we can actually change the word to love. Do you really doubt my love for you, son? Do you really doubt my love? Because when we start losing faith is because we're doubting his love. If you know that he loves you, if you are confident in that he loves you and that you've had an encounter, it has nothing to do with your emotions. It has nothing to do whether you have warm fuzzies today and not tomorrow. He loves you. And that was never based on you. You never impressed him with your abilities, your acts, your works, your service. None of that impressed him. What impressed him is you. Because you were made in his image. And you have a purpose. You are divinely designed as a part of the body of Christ to hold back darkness and glorify and magnify a loving God before a dying world. But if you don't have that revelation, it's hard. It's hard to love others. He said there are two commandments. What are they? Love the Lord your God with all of your Everything, right? So the first place is here. The second place is there. Love, love those. But if you try to love them without that, you'll never love them. All you'll see is their defects. All, of, all you'll see is how they hurt you. But if you spend time knowing, basking, receiving the love of God into your life, you know what? It becomes a natural outgrowth. And with that love goes faith. So when you pray, he prayed with compassion. Jesus, he had compassion on them. He loved them. And it was just easy. Because it was so intertwined, love and faith. Things happen. Okay, how are we? Oh, the ministry of the stomach is calling. Okay, uh, I'll just wrap it up because... For those of you who are in the flesh, we just have to make way. Make way. <laughs> Don't you believe in fasting? So why do they call it fasting when it seems to go so slow? Jude 1, 20, 21 says, But you, beloved, building yourself up on your most holy faith, faith praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourself in the love of God. That's your job. Keep yourself in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Keep, if there's anything you can do, you pray, you have devotional time. Why? To keep yourself in the love of God. I want to encourage you to look at prayer time as something different. It's your moment to just submerge yourself in that love place. Because coming out of that room with a greater revelation of his love, you will be a man and a woman with greater faith. And you will see greater works and you will be a fire starter. Things will happen. He didn't give you gifts for you. He gave you gifts for them. They're like the dinner bell to a, a loving father. Okay, we're going to just wrap it up. I'm going to have enough time. John 15, 9 says, as the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. 
I want to encourage you, brothers. This is about abiding in his love. And this is the last scripture. Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. Paul was always admonishing the church in this. He says, for this reason, I bow my knees to the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints, all the church, what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. The only place you're going to get is by revelation that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. If you want to be filled with the fullness of God, get in his presence and ask him for a deep revelation of his love. Not what you've heard, not what the world has told you, not what the medication has told you. You need to get there and let him say, son, this is it. And he's going to give it to you. He's not going to dump it all at once on you because you couldn't handle it. He's going to just give it to you. He said, take this, son, and see what happens. You're going, wow, that's so cool. And you're going to go out of there and you're going to impact lives. And each life will be like that magnifying glass setting fire and will begin to move. Can you stand up? Hallelujah. We don't need an altar call. We don't need somebody to touch us. He's here. You could hear it in his word, not in mine. You could hear it in his anointing on you. You could feel it bubbling up inside of you. Some of those things just made you get, you could go, ooh, well, that was him. That was him saying, yes, that's me. He was saying, yes, son, agree, walk in it. So what I want to do, we're just going to pray. And I'm going to pray over you. I want to bless you. Because you know what? I had a dream the other day, and the Lord told me, it's time to weaponize your words, son. Weaponize your words. The word that comes out of your mouth has power. The proclamation that comes out of your, your you are a son of God. My dad created the world with his words. Why do I think that the words that come out of my mouth are any less powerful? He loves me, and he wants those words to make a difference. So if you just close your eyes, that way you're not distracted. That's why we close our eyes, right? I just want to pray over you, okay? Father, I thank you that you are here. You have never left us. You have always loved us, and that we were the joy that was set before you. Thank you, Jesus, that you loved us enough to suffer such tremendous pain that we could have what we have. Father, we want to say sorry that we have believed something about you that's not true. We want to say, Lord, show me who you really are. Father God, I proclaim over every person in this building a greater spirit of revelation in the knowledge of you, in the knowledge of your love, and in the depth of the purpose and the plans that you have for them. I proclaim over them, God, blessing spirit, soul, and body that they would begin to experience you in a way that they've never experienced you. We break the lie of the enemy that has deceived them to believe that they are your stepchildren when you have no stepchildren, Father. God, we proclaim over them freedom to be sons. And that every lie of the enemy that still makes us a victim would be broken. 
We are not victims. We are victors, Father. Hoy recibimos, Señor, tu palabra. We receive your word. We accept it, Lord. We own it. We say, please, Jesus, change us. We want to be like you. We want to love and we want to walk. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Now, just stay with your eyes closed. We're not in a hurry. You just do business with him. If you felt like there was something that he touched on, just talk to him about that thing. Didn't have to be the whole message. Just talk to him about that one thing. He's listening. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you for your word. You're so good. And Lord, we just speak your blessing on every person here. And we just thank you for what you said and what you're doing in our hearts. We agree with it. And we partner with it. And we say yes and amen. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, you guys remember tonight, 6 o'clock. We're going to start right away at 6 o'clock. So, so come on out tonight. And also, there's an offering box out there that has Bill and Tammy's name on it. If you want to sow into their ministry, I would invite you to do that. Make checks payable to NCF or New Covenant Fellowship, and every 100% will go to them. You guys have a great afternoon, and we will see you this evening. God bless you. Just, just one, I just feel like I need to do something real quick. Sorry. Um, if you're here, and you have never taken the step to receive Jesus as your Savior, I know some of you guys, you're just part of the family. But if you didn't, when I was speaking, you said, I want that. I don't have that. I, I want to I tell you, I'm going to be right here. And if you would like to receive the Lord, if you want to take that step to walk through the door, we want to be here to help you, okay? So uh, everyone else is dismissed. But if you want that, uh, we'll be here to pray with you, okay? God bless you guys. <laughs>